when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps, I am uber excited to bring you an incredible guest. Her name is Victoria Song, and... I'm not going to go down the musical genre because what she does, she's an author and she is a leadership advisor. And today we're going to be talking about how bending reality can make the impossible probable. So, Victoria, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Brian? I'm outstanding. Thanks for joining us. And what I like to do is get my audience to know you a little better. So you started a very unique business as a kid. You started a social club that got kids out of their house to unlock their doors and come play with you. So how did you go from doing that to helping people unlock their full potential in business? It's a great question. In some ways, I'm really connecting people to their true selves, their essence, you know, their unique zone of genius, their unique gifts. And I feel like what better time were we most connected to our essence than when we were children? Um, so in some ways, you know, bring people's inner children out to play when I was actually a child seven and now connecting people to their true self and their true nature, like who they were before all the conditioning that made them think, you know, they wanted things or made them believe they couldn't have things, you know, in some ways we're really undoing and, and, um, yeah, rewinding a lot of that conditioning. Yeah, that's that's a fun and tough job getting to deprogram business leaders. <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> it's uh it's a challenge. I I can totally understand. So anyways, you're dealing with kind of you know, the psychology of self-development in a way, but you do it in kind of a unique way. So let's talk about the concepts that we originally talked about before we got on. And that was the first one you were talking about, contraction and expansion. What does that mean? Yeah, so so that's a huge framework and really one of the first ones I introduced in the book, Bending Reality. So first, let's just get experiential about it. Um, Brian, I'd love for you to imagine what it feels like, maybe an event that happened in the last week that you didn't like. Something, you know, didn't feel great on scale of one to 10, maybe it was like a three. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, and just tuning into that, let me know what what do you notice sensation wise in your body when you bring up this event? I'm going back to an event and I remember being um, tight and very like uber aware and overly mm-hmm. conscious and like vigilant. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was one of those kind of things when I was, you know, kind of just overthinking and, and just hyper focused mm-hmm. and, and not really enjoying the moment. Yes, exactly. And that sounds like a lot of the moments of entrepreneurs, right? A lot of business yeah. leaders are in that, in that exact. I was talking about 15 mindset. minutes ago, to be honest. Yeah. With you. No, <laughs> yeah. So this state is contraction. So what you just started to describe, if you notice your breathing is probably different, it's more shallow. You are looking and scanning your environment for safety. You get more into that fight flight state. 
um, and where you're maybe mentally spinning, overanalyzing, you know, that's a very typical state that entrepreneurs find themselves in. And uh, really any overachiever is going to be in that state pretty regularly. And it's my belief that that is why things like yoga and meditation and self-care is trending Mm -hmm. because we really need to unravel our nervous system to get us out of that state of contraction. And one of the questions I got right now is, you know, I think this has been um, almost amplified by the fact that we have been cocooned in our businesses for a year, you know, Mm -hmm. and not being able to get out and meet people and do the things that we normally do. So I think that, you know, hyper-focus has gone on hyperdrive, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. I think everyone during this time, during the pandemic, just whenever there's so much uncertainty, right? The nervous system is very uncomfortable, right? Because uncertainty, the unknown feels very unfamiliar and therefore pretty unsafe. And so during these times with the amount of uncertainty in the world, it's really hit everyone. Okay. So let's go down the, uh, the ebb and flow, the yin and yang. So there's yeah, obviously so let's talk about the okay. opposite. Yeah. So what, how do you get into expansion then? So um, now I want you to imagine feeling open, optimistic, trusting, um, excited. Maybe you're imagining something that happened this week that you loved. Well, that happened actually today. And I remember the feeling of I'm in my zone of genius. I am, you know, basically cranking on all cylinders. Um, things just seem to be flowing in the right direction. And I feel in control. Mm, exactly. So this is a state that I characterize as expansion which is the state that I believe is behind what people call peak performance or what athletes call in the zone, uh, what you just described as being in your zone of genius. This is the state that I train and condition the client's nervous system to start creating as their default mode and how to get back into this state whenever they get knocked into contraction. And in this state, you have connection to inspiration and creativity and possibilities. You see opportunities Whereas when you're in that first state of contraction that you described, you're really focused on the problem, right? You feel stuck in one perspective. You can get kind of black and white about what's possible from there. Um, So this is the first framework that I think is really important for uh, readers and listeners to start just being attuned with because in every moment in response to every thought, every feeling, every event, you can ask yourself, huh, did that contract me or expand me? And this is a cool thing because you don't need a coach to tell it to you. You don't need to wear a biometric device to know. You get instant feedback to every moment. And this is the first thing that I really help clients who tend to be living in their minds to start to connect and attune to what's going on in their body. Do you feel contracted or expanded? Hmm. So the question I've got about that is contraction and expansion, the way I feel after describing it to you. I definitely get a sense that there's an emotional tie to it and a reactionary Mm -hmm. tie to it. And I think that, you know, basically contraction is when you have that fight or flight. But expansion is something that you get into Zen. So I, I can give an example of expansion for me is walking my dog, listening to the birds, you know, getting my mind out of things and giving myself a chance to breathe. Is that Mm -hmm. about right? Exactly. And don't you end up finding that solution that you, you know, just strikes you all of a sudden when you're in that expanded state that maybe when you're harping on and focusing on it, it just wasn't coming to you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So this is why I think it's super important 
for um, my clients to really create this as their uh, default state. And so when I work with clients, one of the first things we do is we understand what conditions trigger you into contraction and how much uh, contraction are you naturally holding on to? So how wound up is your nervous system? Uh, Matt Kahn, who um, I love as an author, he has a great quote that is, our ego is an imaginary identity of an overstimulated nervous system. Ooh. And so just letting you take that in for a moment. Yeah, that's deep. <laughs> yeah. And so when you imagine that state of contraction you just described, like your nervous system is wound up, your mind is super busy, you might feel guarded and protected and a little shut down. You're really scanning your environment for safety. An example of these kinds of people are the ones that go from like zero to hundred when you activate a hot topic and they get really defensive. Um, and it's almost like um, they make those around them kind of feel nervous. Like they're walking on eggshells to be around them. That's an example of a human who has a very wound up nervous system. Hmm. Do you know people like that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> Some more than others, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then um, the other way that this wound up nervous system really shows up in people is in the person who is often over compromising themselves, becoming people pleasers, you mm -hmm. know, the ones that are afraid of avoiding conflict. And then of course, those people end up in relationship to the, the, the ones that go from zero to hundred. Right. And so that's like a perfect yin yang kind of compatibility there. Um, and so those are two extremes, but both examples of what a wound up nervous system, that lack of safety really shows up and how it shows up in interpersonal relationships. And uh, as you can imagine, and you know, it's one of my beliefs that there are very few purely business problems. Uh, they tend to be personal patterns that show up in how we conduct business. Mm -hmm. And so as I just described this, you're probably thinking like, yeah, I've found these characters in business and depending on um, how wound up the nervous system is dictates their openness to seeing new perspectives, to disagreement, to uh, agreeing to see it differently, you know, just all of the skills that go into emotional intelligence, giving and receiving feedback, handling setback, you know, these are all skills that are so based in our ability to keep our nervous systems calm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on a scale of one to 10, what you're basically saying is that going from the place of contraction to expansion is like going from 10 to Zen, right? <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah. I, I mean, I loved what you described as like walking your dog, listening to the birds. Cause one of the things I say is what's a 10 for you, you know, like what feels like a 10 expanded mm -hmm. um, when you do it. And those are the things you want to start actually doing to start in training and conditioning your nervous system to be in that place. I think it's amazing that you already integrate that into your day. For a lot of people, they wait until they're burned out and they go for that vacation, you know, that they put out. They're like, oh, it's my first vacation in a year. And when they go on that vacation, sometimes they get sick the first few days around that yeah. vacation because it's like the first time their nervous system relaxes and like has the time and space to like fall apart. Um, and I love that you're integrating on a daily basis of walking your dog, because I think one of the keys to keeping yourself in train to expansion is making sure that throughout your day, you're finding those moments to do what feels like a 10 for you. And so that you're not having to wait um, for burnout. And so this is one way to reach your personal peak without burning out is to incorporate that daily. Yeah. And I schedule it three times a day. I mean, it is in my calendar. 
you know, it's 6 a.m., 11.30, and 5.45 every single day. Those, I mean, my alarm goes off. I force myself to do that, and uh, I, I definitely can see the benefit. So let's move to the next thing, which is legacy building in three stages. Describe that next step after we've gotten from, you know, 10 to Zen. Yes. So one of the things that characterizes this first state that we, I think, live in and work in is the stage one, which I call a desire to prove something. Um, So, you know, everything we just described around contraction, I believe it comes from often like seeking or feeling like we're not enough and trying to prove something to the world, you know? So for most of us, the first jobs we either created or chose after school um, was really meant to prove to ourselves and to the world that we matter, that we have something worth contributing. And so this is phase one that I think actually is associated with the most amount of contraction. Cause in this stage, you're really mm-hmm. fuel is based in fear, right? A fear of like, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe I don't have, maybe I don't matter, you know? And so this is what, um, phase one of work it looks like. And then once I believe you relax that and you start to find self-value and realize that you do matter, that's when you enter stage two, which is when I, I feel like you move into the gift. You're like, wow, people would actually pay me to do what comes naturally to me. You know, my zone of genius, my unique gifts. Um, I would actually, I'm actually valued for who I am. I don't have to try to be someone I'm not, you know? And so this is a really important stage that I, I really encourage um, you know, everyone to get into as soon as possible in this realization. And I tend to work with people when they're just kind of stabilizing and solidifying the stage two of their career. Mm-hmm. And I believe that once you know that you matter, you want to move into phase three, which is you want to work on something that matters. And this is when you get into contribution and legacy, and you really think about something that's bigger than yourself. For a lot of people, it takes their whole life and career to enter phase three. And I believe that once you can see this framework and kind of be honest with yourself about what's still driving and fueling your achievement, you can move into phase three sooner than later. So I had a couple mental pictures, and one was uh, Stuart Smalley sitting in front of a mirror going, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and darn it, people like you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so part of it is, you know, first and foremost, getting to the point where you can have that mental picture that you're okay and that you do matter. And then the next piece of it is when you say do something that matters, I think that... You know, a lot of people might get to the point where they say, you know what, I'm too old to do that. Or, you know, I I should have done this when I was 25. And, you know, it really doesn't matter as much as it used to. In reality, when you sit and look at some of the people that made the biggest achievements in life, um, you know, they did it later in life, too. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to go through all that junk to basically find the flower, right? Yes, exactly. And I think it is a lot of deprogramming, mm-hmm. you know, like deprogramming that conditioning that is like, I need to prove something. And then you get connected to, again, your essence of like, well, actually, what are my unique talents? What are my unique skills? You know, what is my zone of genius? And then once you tap into that and you feel at ease and again, like really comfortable in your own skin, right? Like this is about how can I start to live most of my days in expansion? And when you're in that state, you naturally move into service. So it's my belief that it's when we're in that hypervigilant state that we unintentionally are more self-centered. 
It's not that because we're selfish people or we're bad people. It's just that when you are not feeling safe and you're hypervigilant and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, you can't help but be more self-oriented. And then when you start to feel safe and your nervous system feels calm and you start to value yourself, um, and again, like living more in your days in your zone of genius, I believe our natural extension from that is that we move into service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well put. So the third piece of this is what you call toxic fuels. Explain what that means in context to, you know, expansion and mattering and all the things we talked about so far. Absolutely. So it is very related to, I think we kind of touched on it without naming it that, but toxic fuels, I believe are again, like guilt, shame, fear, um, anger, which I think actually drives a lot, right? So if you're, mm-hmm. imagine the human who, um, person who grew up maybe being bullied, didn't feel smart enough, didn't feel cool enough, wasn't respected by their peers, you know, that person is going to grow up really wanting to earn that respect, really want to prove that they're cool enough, prove that they're smart enough, you know, and that is one of the core, I believe, wounds that, uh, come from our history that can be a huge motivator, but kind of, like I said, a toxic fuel, it is uh, like a fossil fuel poisons you and your environment, right? It's not sustainable. It's not renewable. And so that is, I believe what most overachievers are driven by. Uh, Most of my clients, I'd say when they find me, they are driven by these toxic fuels. Mm -hmm. Um, They could also be driven by uh, a sense of guilt, you know, of feeling like, I need to do this. Like I, I, to be valued, I need to be useful. I need to help others. And, um, they believe that putting their needs and wants first is selfish or, you know, some clients even believe taking a vacation or enjoying themselves too much is, um, they feel guilty for that. Um, so there's all sorts of ways that, um, we are programmed actually to be driven by these toxic fuels. And, um, one of the things that I wrote down when we first talked, I wrote down the word why, and, um, The thing that that made me think about was there was a story on the news a little while ago where a guy from uh, the military hijacked a school bus. And basically, he let all of the hostages off the school bus because the kids kept asking, why? Why are you doing this? What's going to happen? They kept asking questions, and the guy couldn't take it anymore. And he finally just said, kids, get off the bus. I'm taking it. And he went. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, that was a toxic fuel that worked out quite well. But, you know, the kids were just being inquisitive. And, you know, they they just wanted to know more about, you know, what was going on. It was so unique to them. And I think approaching this in a kind of a kid-like way, the way you were talking before about the social club and getting to meet people and creating a business, you know, I think having that, um, you know, sense of wonderment and being a kid again can make such a big difference in this, right? I love that you brought that up because I believe that kids naturally live in expansion, Mm -hmm. right? Like the fact that those kids were in a scary situation and they were able to stay connected to their curiosity. You know, a curiosity gets shut down the meat immediately when we don't feel safe, right? When right. we're in that state of contraction, we're not curious. We feel like we know what's happening and we need to protect ourselves and be defensive. Um, so I think kids, you know, they have this huge gift of just staying open and um, really feeling everything. Like they let life flow through them. And it's only when we start to learn oh, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't think this way. I should act like that. I should be like this. I should succeed like that. When we learn all of those rules, we start to create these 
boxes, you know, that we have to live in. And then that's the sort of stuckness and the limitations that I think um, our mind creates and that we start to believe and make self-fulfilling. So a huge part of, um, you know, bending reality is uncovering one, what are these limiting beliefs that I have? And a lot of books cover that, but I think it goes beyond the mental mindset to, well, how do I get myself into this physical state? How do I cultivate expansion in my being? And then how do I connect to the feeling emotions, the emotions that keep me in this state of expansion so that ultimately I can get myself into the right mental, physical, and emotional state to bend reality? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, another mental picture. You've got me thinking today. And the mental picture I have is if I want to put the fear of God or the fear of anything in anybody, I just say one word and that is quota, right? <laughs> Everything, <laughs> you know, you say quota and everybody, <laughs> but if you take the word quota and think of it as a slide, you know, you're climbing the ladder to get to the place where you want to be. And when you're at the pinnacle, you get to enjoy the ride down. It's a fun way to have, you know, some enjoyment. So that's the key thing is understand the ebb and flows. It's a little work to climb the ladder, but you will enjoy the ride down, right? Yeah. And kind of connecting to your previous point, it is connecting to the why. You know, mm-hmm. I think some of us get burned out when we forget why we're doing this. We're like, if we're just looking at, the email we don't want to write or the meet the meeting we don't want to have or just what's in front of us we can feel annoyed frustrated like we don't really want to get out of this um but if you can stay connected to well why does this matter why is this important like why is this action going to be in service of the higher vision that i have and when we can stay connected to that why i believe we become even more resourceful like with a big why you have access to a million hows you know i think when people get into contraction, they get stuck in the like, well, I don't know how, so I can't do it. Right. You know, as soon as they try to think about starting the company or going after their dream, they're like, well, I don't know how, so I can't. But I think what's more important is to connecting to the why first and foremost, because when you have that why and that expansive state, you have access to all sorts of hows. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's a great point because we do get mired down in the what and the how much more mm-hmm. than we spend time trying to figure out the why, mm-hmm. and that is so true. So let's wrap this up in a neat bow. If you could give an example of say somebody who's gone from the process of being you know constricted and learned how to expand themselves in a way that made things matter and they felt like they were in their zone of genius and loving what they did as opposed to you know being scared and and kind of in that you know that panic zone give an example of how that worked or maybe somebody you worked with that you know just had that aha and what the outcome was yeah you know great example of this is have you heard of honey i love honey Okay. Awesome. Well, honey, the uh, consumer um, coupon company that was oh, approved by PayPal that I, I helps you th- save money. I was thinking about the bees, you know, they bring that honey. It's like worker <laughs> oh, no, bees. Good point. <laughs> Different kind of honey. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I was going to say the client there, George Ruan, CEO of Honey, that uh, was recently acquired by PayPal for $4 billion. Um, he's been a client for the last three years. And when he found me, he was very much driven by his inner critic voice. You know, that voice that just tells us like, we have to, we can't, we shouldn't, mm-hmm. we should. And he really found that his discontent was his fuel. Like he really believed that because he was never happy, because he was never, it was never satisfied. That's what drove him. 
And then every week he had brain fog. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it's like haziness and mm-hmm. there's no clear thinking. And it would last days. And he was used to this for years. Like I would say for seven years, he was grinding it out in this way. And then when we started working together, I was able to help him see all the old programming, old beliefs, old conditioning that was keeping him in that state of contraction. Um, And then through our work together, I was able to upgrade his lens on reality, helping him connect to his vision, his mission, his values, finding his zone of genius, outsourcing all that is not um, really falling in love with the work. And I really encourage all of my clients and all your listeners to outsource anything that is not in your zone of genius. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get a watered down version of you when you get to your tens. You want to really keep and save that juice for doing what's in your zone of genius. And so through that work, um, he has, first of all, no more brain fog. You know, when I started working with him, he was like, I have the perfect life, but I don't feel it. I wake up and it's never enough. And now he's happier than ever. Um, I would say about a year into our work together, and this might sound a little bit out there, but again, like if you follow the book, you'll realize what our consciousness is fully capable of. But um, one of the walking visual meditations I had him do was every morning for three weeks, I asked him to imagine PayPal's engineering team being so impressed by what Honey's engineering team had built. And so I wanted him to walk to work with a pep in his step, confident, proud of what his company had built. And he did that every morning um, from the parked car to the office. And then by the third week of doing that, out of nowhere, PayPal offered to buy his company. They gave him an acquisition offer and he was in shock. He was like, I was planning on taking my my company public and no intentions to sell. And ultimately after, you know, deciding whether to sell and at what price by tracking again, like what would feel most expansive, he rejected their first offer and they came back with a higher offer to acquire honey for $4 billion. Um, And when I told him, you know, that you were able to bend reality by um, accessing expansion and plus visualization, his response as an engineer was, so we live in a simulation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's still being, he can't wrap his head around it, but um, that's a fun example of the capabilities of our consciousness. When we can start to, I really believe bend reality, you know, create from nothing in no time at all. Um, So that's a fun example. Well, that is a sweet story because he turned honey into money and uh, (laughs) it's a beautiful thing. So, Victoria, this has been great. I think if people want to learn more about you and your book, they could probably connect with you. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I would love for them to come check out my work at www.victoriasong.me. And if you want the book, you just add forward forward slash bending hyphen reality. Um, And the book will be distributed by Simon & Schuster. So you can find it anywhere where books are sold. And I'm really excited also to have people pre-order the book um, because I'm offering all sorts of free techniques that all of my clients use that you can begin to bend reality now. Well, Victoria, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for taking me back to my childhood and the good old days when I was carefree. And uh, (laughs) thank you for coming on and dropping some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. I appreciate you and your time. And this was a blast. It was great. Yeah, thanks so much, Brian. So fun to be here. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? 
send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon. <laughs>